Hey, friend. <laughs> Woo, child. It has been a week, okay? It has been a week with some highs and some lows, uh, some good and some bad because, you know, life. So last week you didn't get an episode, and I did not announce in advance that there would be no new episode, but I thought, you know what? I've given them so much meat. I'm going to let them chew on it. Also, if you don't know, I'm an attorney by day. And I had a case that kind of blew up on me and has taken all of my attention because I believe in giving my absolute best to everything that I do. And that includes when I wear my attorney hat. So I'll be honest, that took a lot of my attention and I'm working on some new partnerships and projects and it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And so in the same way, if you follow any of my coaching content, which you can find me on TikTok at Shania underscore Lambert, then you know that I will coach other people into saying no. And so I had to coach myself into saying no to myself. And that meant that no new podcast episode was going up. But we are back. We are back. And I'm glad that you're here. We're picking up in our Fight Club series, which I feel like I don't know how long it's going to go on because every week I feel like I think of a new aspect, the Lord reveals something, or I see a conversation. I'm thinking, wow, like I have to tap into that. I have to comment on that and share some things that I think might help my people as, and me as well. Like I'm, I'm included as part of the people. Uh, might help my brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are interested in growing and transforming their lives uh, to approach this issue of conflict because there's so much nuance, right? When we talk about some of the things we're going to dive into tonight, what forms those mindsets that turn us into those different types that we role play as and how we show up in conflict. If you guys remember the Animal Kingdom episode from a few weeks back. And so we're going to kind of talk about all of these things in a little bit more detail tonight and I hope to bring some clarity where there may have been some confusion before or where it could just be more developed. And so that is the goal for tonight's episode. So I'm not even going to do an introduction, even though that's kind of like what it was. We're just going to jump right in. So go ahead and get your Bibles, get your notebooks, get your pens, get your tablet, whatever it is that you're taking notes on, because this is one that you're going to want to not only pay attention to, you're going to want to seek to understand, meditate on it, let it, let it sink in, do some reflection. And then you know what we do. We apply because we're not here for what? Accumulation of information, but we are here for transformation, which requires, that's right, application. So I will be right back and we'll dive right in. Hey friend, I'm back again. So in our last episode, we talked about how we all have, all of us, whether we are willing to acknowledge them or not, whether we know how to express our need for them or not, and even whether we feel equipped to receive them or worthy of them or not, we all, every single one of us have three basic needs. One, to be loved two, to feel significant, and three, to feel secure or safe. Now, these are not needs to run from, although we often do, because admitting that we need them can make us feel weak or vulnerable. But I need you to know that denial of these needs does not lead to the freedom that you're envisioning. It leads to bondage. It leads 
to cycles, to dissatisfaction, to lack of contentment, to callousness, a hardening of your heart, feelings of unworthiness. And it makes you ultimately feel less than because these needs, if you try to deny them, are just eventually going to continue to rise up. And that feeling of trying to continually press it down is going to become too much. And you were created to be more than, not less than, more than someone who settles more than someone who is pretending, more than someone who has to be on the defense by default because you're so afraid of being taken advantage of or getting hurt. You deserve to be loved and to be loved freely without condition and without pretense. You deserve to know that you matter by your own standards and without qualification. You matter by the mere fact that you exist and you definitely deserve to feel secure, to feel safe in your home, in your relationships, and especially in your own skin. These are not luxuries. These are not luxuries. These are necessities. You need these things. So you are not deficient or desperate for wanting them, despite what you may hear, right? You are not deficient or desperate for wanting to be loved. You are not deficient or desperate for wanting to feel like you matter. You are not deficient or desperate for wanting and needing to feel safe. What happens is that these very legitimate needs can get managed, mismanaged through this cycle we call life. And we find ourselves, because we do need them, right? They're needs, not wants. We find ourselves doing whatever we can to try to get them met, even if we're trying to meet them illegitimately. So you have legitimate needs that we're attempting to meet illegitimately, which makes the need in and of itself feel wrong because all of the things that we're trying to do to fix it, to fill it, to overcome it aren't working. So instead of saying, hey, I need to try a different approach because this need isn't going away, we try to convince ourselves that we don't need love, that we don't care what people think, that we don't need to feel safe and secure, that we'll create our own safety, we'll isolate ourselves, we'll throw up those defense mechanisms in those walls. And all it leads to is depletion. It leads to feelings of discouragement, of isolation, of loneliness, a lack of worthiness, and it's exhausting. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Fun, right? <laughs> but it's really important for us to get into the mindset of how we get to this place where we will deny what it is that we need where we will refuse to acknowledge that we need it, when we've been sent messages over time, and we'll talk about where those messages come from tonight, but we've been sent messages over time that tell us that we're wrong for needing these things. And because those needs will only be denied for so long, we will then turn to illegitimate means to try to satisfy them. The things that the world tells us work, the things that the world will tell us are quick, the things that the world will lie to us and tell us will satisfy, and none of them do. It's all deception. So what contributes, contributes to our mindsets regarding how we can fulfill these needs? And how do those mindsets contribute to us ending up in these ineffective, repetitive cycles that honestly hurt more than they help? Let's get into it, right? So let's start with talking about some of the factors that can contribute to our mindsets regarding these needs and how we attempt to fill them. Number one is going to be your personality type. Number one is your personality type. Now, I recognize that this is a valid and real factor, right? Your personality has a lot to do with your perspective, the lens in which you see life, right? Yourself and others. But I want you to be careful with this one. 
you are uniquely and creatively designed by a very intentional creator. And so your personality is a part of your unique makeup. So it's not something that I want you to downplay or deny, right? It is an important and integral part of who you are. However, there's a big however here. Our personality also, though, is going to be influenced by a lot of these other factors that we're going to talk about. And our personality can often be shaped by our environment. So it's not as objective as we would like to believe. For example, some people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm an introvert, so I don't attach easily or show emotion. Well, that could be true, right? Because self-awareness is everything. You may be an introvert and you may also be someone who doesn't attach easily or someone who doesn't easily express emotion, but one is not necessarily determinative of the other. And because all of us, again, have that need to feel secure, a part of what makes us feel safe is that we, we can define ourselves, that we can label ourselves because sometimes that gives us a scapegoat. Instead of saying, I need to work on why I do have a problem attaching easily um, or don't have a problem, I don't, I'm not able, God, forgive me. I may need to discover why I don't attach well or deeply or intimately in relationships, what messages I've ingested that make it difficult for me to show emotion. And instead, I'm just going to say I'm an introvert because that puts a label on it and it doesn't require me to do any deeper work, right? The danger behind putting so much weight on a title or a label or a personality type is it gives us a false picture of where we are. It hinders our self-awareness because we'll run to that because it's convenient and ignore the red flags that are going up that are telling us, hey, friend, you need to pay attention to this. This is something that you may need to work on, right? Things could need to change, right? And so our capacity to process who and where we are will be severely hindered if we hide behind labels like a personality type. You've probably all heard someone say, well, that's just how I am. But if how you are is not serving you and your needs are getting met, then how you are may need to become who you were as you work on addressing those issues that are keeping you stuck. Let me repeat that. If how you are is not serving you and your needs are not getting met, then how you are may need to become who you were as you begin working on addressing the issues that are keeping you stuck. Your personality type is not an excuse for a lack of emotional and relational intelligence. Play up its positives, yes, but attack with intention what's not working. So the number one type is factor is your personality type. Number two are going to be your early childhood experiences. Early childhood experiences. How we process emotion is often heavily impacted by what we observed and experienced in our home and our family units. If you grew up in a home where you felt seen and heard and you didn't fear expressing your emotions, asking for what you needed, working through conflict, and you saw examples of that being done in healthy ways through your elder family members, you likely feel more equipped, not more worthy, because we're all worthy of these things, right? We all need them. We're all worthy of receiving them. But you may feel more equipped to advocate for yourself as an adult now in regard to meeting these needs, feeling loved, feeling significant, feeling secure, right? You have a greater bag of resources to dig into in order to discover how those needs are best met in this season of your life. But if you grew up in a home where you were told constantly that children are to be seen and not heard, 
where the expression of emotion, likely crying or showing frustration or disappointment, especially in a BIPOC household, right? A, a people of color household, or as a male child, you were made to feel weak or uh, you were attacked if you showed emotion, you're going to feel less equipped to advocate for yourself or to even know how to identify what it is that you're feeling or what it is that you want. So while you have those three basic needs, love, significance, or security, because you were never allowed to explore how you felt or express how you felt, and you didn't get to see examples of where other people did that in healthy ways, those needs may not be easily identifiable by you. So while the need in and of itself, and it's truest form may be, God, I, I am desperate to feel significant. The way that it's being expressed in your life is your need to control your need to manipulate, your need to feel superior to others, right? Is, is that resonating with you? If the true need in its purest form is that you desire to be loved, but you don't even know how to identify that that's what it is, you may find yourself in parasitic relationships involved in a lot of codependency and enmeshment because you want to bond with someone so badly, but you don't know that it's love that you're truly needing and you don't know what a healthy love relationship looks like. Same thing with security. The need to feel secure is legitimate. It is valid. It is real. But because you never saw examples or got to experience what it was like to feel secure, to know that you had an innate sense of belonging as a part of a family unit or as part of a relationship, you will often people please. You will bond. You will be afraid to speak up, to do whatever it is that's necessary to keep someone close, even if that relationship is hurting you, even if that relationship is killing you. So early childhood experiences play a heavy role in how we process, identify, interpret, and express emotion. It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's way higher on the chart than a personality type. I feel like if, if these factors were a cake and there's four of them, it would be a three-layer cake and like personality type might be an icing or like a little decoration on top. It's something to be considered. It makes the cake look cute, right? It might even contribute a little bit to the taste, but as far as substance, it's, it's the least of the four. I can say that with confidence. Number three are going to be your cognitive factors, right? This is where, you know, it gets a little too heady for me, <laughs> a little too smart for me. But essentially, this is how you think, how you process information. Uh, Dr. Darius Daniels has taught on this in a very creative way where he talks about it's almost like wearing glasses, Right how you see the world through your lens and your lens, your glasses are affected by your experiences, what you have been indoctrinated by, what you have learned intentionally and unintentionally, what you've picked up, um, who, who's speaking into you, the messages that you receive and accept, your level of education, all your family unit, all of these things play a role in your glasses, how you see your clarity, your perspective, your perception. And no two people see everything exactly alike because no two people have had the same life experience. Your cognitive factors, that function is basically summed up in that way. It's how you process information. It's why two people can hear the same thing and process it in two totally different ways. But the good thing about your cognitive functioning is that you can rewire it. You can unlearn ineffective ways of thinking and you can intentionally create new mindsets that serve the person that you are now. It takes work. Yes, it takes work. I'm never going to lie about that. But you will see 
far better results with less effort as you begin to implement the changes that you want to see, the things that we've been talking about. When it's not just becoming head knowledge and you start putting these things into motion, forming new habits, creating new mindsets, these things will start to become more natural to you. It doesn't mean it ever stops being work, but it stops being hard. Make yourself a priority and do this for you. Last but not least is factor number four, and that is going to be learned behaviors. Over time, you may have unintentionally picked up some things along the way that you were just exposed to over time, right? The continual viewing of or exposure led you to develop mindsets, habits, behaviors, ways of thinking that you may not even be aware of until it started to rise up in you. And usually when that happens, it's in the midst of conflict. It's in the midst of you being put under pressure. And that's when we start spouting things that we didn't think we really thought. We start behaving in ways we never thought we would really behave in. And now you start to realize, wait, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. And that's not how I want to approach my life. So the great thing is that even if you did pick up these things unintentionally, you can be intentional about putting them down, about unlearning them. You can find productive ways to get your needs met that don't have to include harmful behaviors that lead you into more bondage. And that's all it does, friend. When you remain emotionally and relationally unintelligent, and I'm not saying that to disparage you, I have been there. All all I'm saying is that there are processes, ways to handle relationships that maybe you've mismanaged, ways you could do things better. Same thing with emotions. And when you see these things, the, you know, learned behaviors, early childhood experience, a lot of it outside of your control, we can't go back and change anything about the past. But we can be intentional about how we're going to move forward. And let me tell you why this is so important for this generation, especially if you're a person of color. Now, this podcast is for everyone, right? This is for everyone. But there is a unique experience in families of color with us processing emotion because especially in black families, expression of emotion has been considered a luxury. And this is not out of prior generations desire to keep us stunted. It was to keep us alive because you know what you don't have time to do if you're a slave is process how you feel about your baby being snatched out of your arms and sold. You don't have time to process the orders that you're given to go out into the fields. You don't have time to process how you feel about being raped or being stripped of your rights or being stripped of any sense of humanity. You don't have time to think about how you feel. Feel. And as we're coming through those next generations and we're trying to find a new normal in this in this America, that did not recognize them as people, again, it's about hard work, right? That's one of the things we were taught, a good work ethic. It's about putting your face to the ground and doing what you need to do. There was no time to think about how you felt because in our communities, thinking about how you felt made you vulnerable, which made you susceptible to losing your life. And that's what we were trying to prevent. And now, although (laughs) due to systemic racism, A lot of those problems are still pervasive. They're more underhanded. They're more disguised. We've not reached a point where we don't have to worry about it anymore, but we have reached a point where we have the opportunity and access to information that we can help the next generation understand how to manage relationships in a healthy healthy way, understand how to relate emotionally, especially to those who look like us. Because for so long, we were pitted against one another, made to be enemies of one another. And every time we would band together, 
and try to have some semblance of unity, it would be stripped from us. And so we are trying to play catch up in a system that was designed for us to fail. So I get it when we start talking about these things like doing the work to transform your life emotionally, relationally, spiritually, that it seems like a luxury. It seems like in the midst of what the world looks like that we don't have time for it. But I'm telling you, not just for your benefit, but for those that are coming after you, someone has to break the generational cycle. Someone has to break the generational curse. And I'm so bold as to believe that that person could be you. So there are four factors that contribute to how we view these three needs and how we attempt to satisfy them. And there are personality types, our early childhood experiences, our cognitive thinking, and our learned behaviors. Next week, when we pick back up we're going to talk about, again, how these things are really influenced by what we experienced in childhood. And then we're going to talk about how they are manifested in each of those roles or animal kingdom types that we talked about as far as avoiders and attackers. Remember wolves, snakes, hornets, and then what was it? Chameleons, tortoises, and weasels. We're going to break down how these needs serve us, what the ultimate goals are if you are one of those types, and how we attempt to meet them. Because remember, always, the need is legitimate. We just may be trying to fulfill it illegitimately. I can't wait to talk to you about this some more next week. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. I'm Shania and this is Rooted.